Well, let me welcome you to our morning devotions here on Easter Sunday at Stevenson High Kirk in North Ayrshire. Although we're unable to record our morning service from the High Kirk, we're so grateful to our friends at Livingston Church who were able to provide a recording of our joint Monday-Thursday communion service. Well, I do pray that on this Easter morning that your heart would just sing and dance, for he is risen indeed. Well, good evening. And can I welcome you to this Monday Thursday service, this joint Monday Thursday service. And as well as offering a welcome, can I also offer an explanation for those of you that don't already uh, know, but uh, unfortunately the Reverend Scott Cameron has been hit by the virus just a couple of days ago. And last minute, the Reverend Alan Ford has agreed to step in, so we're really grateful to Alan uh, for doing that so hurriedly. So I would like to welcome Alan to leading in worship uh, tonight, and also to welcome the praise band uh, from the the High Kirk, who are going to be the music for the evening. remembering to turn on my microphone. I say, I, thanks for Ian and Margaret. We, we, I was conducting the service on Sunday at uh, High Kirk and uh, so it's, it's the same thing again, isn't it? Yeah, you know, okay, yeah. Uh, just before we begin, just so that you get used to my voice a little bit, um, I've got something to show you um, and I'll take it to the door with me at the end of the service. It's a Roman nail that was given to me uh, many years ago. It was found in Persia amongst a cache of nails. And it's a cruel nail because not only is it long, but it's twisted so that as you hammer, it twists as it goes in. And it's a, a really cruel looking thing. And when you begin to think of Good Friday, you think of what those nails are like. I'll take it to the door with me so you can see it. It was given to me uh, about, oh, must be well over 20 years ago uh, by somebody who found it. Well, there we are. We're gathered together to worship God, to sing to his praise, and we sing together in our first hymn. Sorry, I've left the order of service over here. Our first hymn is Jesus Keep me near the cross.
now let us draw close to God in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious Lord and Father, we think tonight of how Jesus gathered with his disciples in that upper room, aware of the enmity of the temple authorities, and yet meeting and being taught afresh by Jesus. Lord, it was dark, it was a night, and we've gathered of an evening to be still for a little time, to think about the events of that night, to think of the upper room, to think of Gethsemane, to think of all that happened and transpired there, and all for our benefit. Lord, we come from the busyness of the world to be still in your presence. Grant to us this evening a glimpse of your grace and your love that drew salvation's plan and the gracious way in which our Lord Jesus Christ fulfilled that plan by his death and resurrection. And so, Lord, we come asking that that forgiveness which was won at the cross might be our experience. And that new life in Christ that came with the resurrection might be the experience of each and every one of us. Lord, we turn to you and seek your blessing. And to you be all the glory. Amen. Our Bible reading this evening is from Mark chapter 14 and reading from verse 26. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. This is after the Last Supper. You all fall away, Jesus told them. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself would disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. They went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to them, stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more, he went away and prayed the same thing. And when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They didn't know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. And just as he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, appeared. 
With him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and teachers of the law and the elders. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and kissed him. Men seized Judas and arrested him. Then one of those standing near drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Am I leading a rebellion, said Jesus, that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you, teaching in the temple courts, and you didn't arrest me. The scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted him and fled. A young man, wearing nothing but a linen garment, was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving the garment behind. They took Jesus to the high priest, and all the chief priests, the elders, and the teachers of the law came together. Amen. And may God bless to us this reading from his word. We sing together again, The Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want. find me in the supermarket looking for my cough or my wife's laugh. So, on this night, some 2,000 years ago, Jesus and his disciples gathered to share together in the Passover meal. As we know, Jesus took the common things of life, bread and wine, and used them to point to eternal truths. And later in the service, we shall reenact that part of the meal as we gather to the Lord's table. But for now, I'd like us to look at the other events of that night. The structure of the Passover meal 
was relaxed in many ways, but it was also fairly rigid in the traditional order of events. It was something that every Jew would know off by heart from the words spoken by their children through to the various elements of salt, water, herbs, and bread and wine. I remember as a young Christian, not long after I came to faith, and I was at probably what was my first communion service, and at the next one, the minister used the same words, the next one, he used the same words, next one, the same. That time I could remember them, and you maybe can as well. Well, that was the way it was done in the past. And the Passover meal was a bit like that. Because there was no preacher leading it. It was done in families or amongst groups of friends. And so they all had to know the words. But there were also traditional songs to be sung as well. Just as we have certain hymns that we tend to sing at Christmas or Easter, so also the Jewish people had their hymns that we call psalms that they sang uh, at special times. And in fact, I announced I were going to sing Still the Night, Holy Night. He'd probably brought me to presbytery and say the minister's lost his head because it's just not appropriate at this point. But they had their psalms that they used always at the Passover. The Psalms from Psalm 113 through to Psalm 118. So if you want to do a wee bit of Bible homework, Psalm 113 to 118 would be good homework to do over these next few days. And so when Jesus and the disciples sang a psalm at the end of the Passover and before going out to the Mount of Olives and Gethsemane, they almost certainly sang Psalm 118. And as he went up the Mount of Olives, the words of that psalm would still be ringing in their ears. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad it. Familiar, isn't it? The Lord save us. O Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine upon us. With bows in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. With those words from the end of the Passover meal, still in their minds and hearts, they proceeded to go down into the Cadron Valley and up the steep Mount of Olives. Jesus going in the reverse of the route that he'd come along on Palm Sunday. Instead of going down the Mount of Olives, he was going up. Albeit not as far as Bethany or Bethphage, to a place where he seems to gather with his disciples called Gethsemane, which means wine press there's a wine press that you would find in a garden and so we use the phrase garden of Gethsemane now the end of the Passover meal was usually at the time of great rejoicing and thanksgiving tell that from the words of that psalm I remember being present close to the western wall in Jerusalem as the Jewish Sabbath began, the ram's horn sounded to announce the start of the Sabbath. And it was like a party, the party of all parties, with men in circles with their hands on each other's shoulders, dancing and singing at the top of their voices. But that wasn't the mood of Jesus and his disciples. But Jesus continues in a somber mood with his disciples as they cross the Cadron Valley. You all fall away, 
Jesus told them, for it's written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. And those who understood that Judas was a traitor, was absent because at that very moment plotting to have Jesus arrested, would not want to be associated with Judas, a deserter, a traitor. And Peter was particularly vehement that he would stay loyal to Jesus even if the others did not. It was in response to this attitude that Jesus told Peter that he would deny even knowing him three times in the next few hours. Peter was clearly a strong man physically. He could not conceive that he would ever desert Jesus. But as we know, he did just that. It's true of all of us that while we may spout brave words, none of us really know how we will react until we are faced with the situation. Over in the Ukraine at the moment, there are people who are becoming heroes who never ever saw themselves as becoming heroes. You have great grandmothers armed to defend their city. Over the years, there have been some unlikely heroes, some unlikely cowards as well. In spite of this warning from Jesus, Peter is adamant. But it wasn't just Peter. They all said the same. I used to think it was just Peter. They were all alike, for we read, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. And eventually they reached Gethsemane, and there Jesus left eight of the disciples sitting before going on with the three closest disciples, Peter, James, and John. He told these three how he was feeling with the words, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. They all knew there was danger. And these were the men closest to Jesus and they knew how he was feeling, but Jesus needed time away from them. And so he left his the smaller group and went a little further on so he could pray and commune with his father. We don't know how long Jesus was on his own praying, but it was long enough for his disciples to fall asleep. They were probably intended to be on the watch against the Roman soldiers or temple authorities coming for Jesus when he prayed. But as they were watchmen, as watchmen, they were sadly, sadly lacking. Jesus' first prayer was, Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not my will, but what you will. Obviously, the prayer was much longer for Jesus in case that he's been praying for about an hour. And Jesus, with these words of prayer, placed himself as subservient to his Father's will. He knew what was ahead, a cross, cross and the cruel nails like the one I showed you earlier and he accepted that that was his father's will for him and the sight that greeted him when he went back his disciples not one of alert watchmen and Jesus singles out Peter for chastisement he turned to his disciples and found him sleeping Simon he said to Peter are you asleep couldn't you keep watch for an hour Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And Jesus went away from them again. Back up to the garden of Gethsemane. And we read that he prayed the same thing as he prayed before. Before returning and finding them sleeping again. According to this, Mark says their eyes were heavy. They were tired. Not surprising. 
The day of the Passover was a long day. And a lot had happened. It was dark. It was past their usual bedtime. It was night time. And they'd eaten a large meal. A Passover meal with its various courses would be like a good, big, strong Christmas dinner. So I usually fall asleep after Christmas dinner. I don't know about you, but I do. And so we can have a wee bit of sympathy with the disciples. At least they were ashamed. For read, they didn't know what to say to him. They were at a loss for words. They had no excuse. They had slept when he'd asked them to keep watch. And Jesus went off to pray a third time. And when he turns, they're clearly rested, though Jesus is not. And Jesus rouses them with the words, Are you sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise. Let us go. Here comes the betrayer. And they would see Judas coming towards them. And while they've been sleeping, instead of keeping watch, the Roman soldiers and the temple authorities, led in the dark by Judas Iscariot, had made their approach. And Jesus no longer has woken them from slumber. That Judas appears with people who have been plotting to take Jesus' life. The crowd with Judas came armed for trouble. They were like a, a crowd of Glasgow thugs ready for a street fight. They even enlisted the help of a large number of Roman soldiers. They actually say in one of the, the Gospels, a cohort. And so there'd be maybe as much as 100 or maybe even 200 so Roman soldiers. Probably to go along with the temple authorities, the equivalent of a sort of temple police force. We read, with him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law and the elders. There's no record of violence from Jesus unless you count the overturned tables in the temple. On the contrary, he had spoken to people, he had healed people, he had changed lives for the better, and he had even brought people back from the dead. I suspect, though, that the people that came for Jesus that night were more than a little bit afraid of Jesus. They had seen miracles. They had seen crowds follow him. What else was he capable of? They really didn't understand his ministry and the whole concept of meekness and majesty embodied in the Messiah was lost to them. They saw power as coming with the club, the sword, and political clout. And Jesus actually mocks them for this when he says, am I leading a, a rebellion, said Jesus, that you've come out with swords and clubs to capture me? He actually chastises them for their thuggery, pointing out they had been there openly in the daylight in the temple. But Jesus offers no resistance. Indeed, he makes it clear that even those who came to arrest him were fulfilling the scriptures and what they were doing. Despite all the protestation of disciples, we've had, we have that verse that shows what they were really like in that moment of crisis. We read these words, Then everyone deserted him and fled. And that too was in its own way fulfilling the scriptures. Mark's gospel is only one to record the presence of another follower of Jesus, a young man. This young man was not one of the twelve. He was wearing only a linen garment. He was dressed virtually in uh, his sleeping clothes, his pyjamas, if you like, one-piece pyjama, I suppose. And he tried to follow Jesus. But some of the crowd tried to seize him, we read. And he too ran off, stark naked, into the night. I think we can be fairly certain that 
Mark's gospel records this because that young man was Mark writing about himself. Remembering the incident with embarrassment. I wonder though how we would have reacted. Would we like the disciples have fled the scene? Scared, embarrassed and feeling that we've let Jesus down? Perhaps that's a question we have to ask ourselves as we come to the Lord's table tonight. Are we prepared to suffer? Give our all for the cause of Christ? Or do we choose to remain silent and hang back rather than say, I am a friend of Jesus and he is a friend of mine. At this table, however, we can know forgiveness and like Peter beside the Sea of Galilee, can know a recommissioning into his service. Can we, as we gather to the Lord's table, once more dedicate ourselves to him who loves us and pledge ourselves in his strength to stand up for him and in an alien land. For we are called, each one of us, to be ambassadors for Christ. Let us pray. Gracious Lord and Father, we come thinking of that night when doomed to know Jesus gathered with his disciples in the upper room and then with a smaller number on the Mount of Olives and then the still smaller number up by the Garden of Gethsemane. Lord, we like to think that we would have been brave enough to take our stand with Jesus but Lord, we know that the test of whether we would have or not lies here with us now, whether we will stand up for Jesus here and now. Lord, as we draw close to your son's table, grant us a deeper insight into our own souls our own hearts, that in your presence we may find fresh courage, strength, and a deeper faith and trust in you. And to you be all the glory. Amen. We sing together prior to communion. We sing together. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride.
mentioned Christmas earlier. There's a saying in Israel, particularly in Tabitha, the Church of Scotland's school, that Christmas comes but thrice a year. Because in Israel, the Christian church celebrates Christmas three times. The Western church, like ourselves, 25th December. And then the Orthodox church, about the second week in January. And then the Armenian church a few days later. And it was my privilege on one occasion to celebrate communion on the Armenian church's Christmas Day in the shepherd's fields in Bethlehem, a very special time. The church celebrates communion in different ways throughout the world. There's a place in Jerusalem where Christians of all denominations gather as they're passing through Jerusalem. And on a Thursday at lunchtime, they have a snack lunch and they share in the bread and wine of communion at a place called Sabiel. And the person conducting the communion service gets a pita bread from the bakers next door. There's wine from the mount of from the uh, hills above the Sea of Galilee, the Golan Heights. And the person conducting the service will count the, the number of people present and he'll take the pita bread and he'll break it up into the same number of pieces and then it'll be passed round and then the wine passed round as well. I gather that during the First World War the army chaplains sometimes celebrated communion in the trenches with oat cakes or bannocks and yes whiskey because that was what was available communion is a time for us to be still to reflect on our lives and our mind's eye to Go back to that upper room where Jesus gathered with his disciples in the ancient city, probably not far from the temple. Gathered probably as close as they could to the temple. The population of Jerusalem in those few days would go up from probably maybe about 100,000 to over a million, even in those days. Because people wanted to be close to Jerusalem as they celebrated the Passover. Even to this day, when Jews celebrate the Passover, wherever they are in the world, they say, next year in Jerusalem. It's a very special time for Jewish people. Once a year. But for us, the Lord's table is open whenever his people gather. It's a very special meal that we share. The night in which he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and wine. And as he gave thanks, let us also give thanks. Let us pray. Gracious Lord and Father, we thank you for this bread and this wine, which speak to us of the body and blood of our Saviour, which speaks to us of the cross, of his suffering there, that speaks to us of the arms outstretched in love, and for the grace which he showed and which he gives to us. Lord, we thank you that this isn't a funeral tea, for we know that Jesus rose again from the grave. 
And so, Lord, we thank you for this bread and wine and ask that it may nourish not only our bodies, but also our souls as we obey your command to share these things. For we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. On the night in which he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is for you. And in the same way, at the close of the meal, he took the cup, saying, This is a cup of the new covenant, made possible at the cost of my death. Drink from it, all of you. Can I encourage you now to take off the top covering and uh, we will take the bread together at the same time. If somebody's having difficulty close to you, getting it open, then please help them. (laughs) Let us, therefore, so eat and so remember the Lord's death until he comes again. thank you that you have spared us to share once more in the bread and wine of communion, a foretaste of that great bridal feast of the Lamb of God in glory, to which we look forward with faith and with assurance that you have forgiven our sins and that we have new life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Send us from this place conscious of that great unseen cloud of witnesses who compass us about, who have already entered into that rest prepared for those who love the Lord Jesus Christ. Send us from this place assured afresh of the forgiveness of sins and life everlasting. And send us from this place with zeal for your glory, a desire to share the good news of Jesus Christ with those around us, that we may see life changed in the power of your Holy Spirit and to you be all the glory now and forevermore. Amen. On Palm Sunday at the High Kirk I spoke of Jesus' journey down the Mount of Olives through the Kedron Valley and he would enter the city of Jerusalem through what was called the Golden Gate. It was also the gate at which Jesus, at which Peter and John went to pray. Remember the chorus? 
Peter and John went to pray. And the words silver and gold have I none, but the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. The same gate. You can't go into the city through that gate now, though. Because many years after what we were looking at tonight, a Muslim ruler who knew a little of Christian thought and belief and decided that, or realized that that was a gate, that it was prophesied that the Messiah would come through. And so he bricked it up and it's been bricked up ever since. It's a bit like locking the stable door after the horse is bolted for Jesus the Messiah came through that gate and into the city. And so we sing together our closing hymn. It's a communion hymn, but it's also echoes in our minds that journey and that all that happened that week, even the gate he went through, was a fulfillment of the prophecies of the Old Testament. So we sing our closing hymn, Ye gates lift up your heads on high, ye doors that enter at last for ye, be lifted up that so the King of glory enter me. and peace from Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest and remain with you each one and all that you love, both now and until the Lord Jesus Christ comes or calls you, and then forevermore.